0: The following podcast is sponsored by the new Hood College Gear Shop. The gear shop replaces the old Hood College bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as just the place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats and socks, mugs and cups. They even have Hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The Gear Shop has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The Gear Shop has your back. Need a last minute birthday gift for your best friend? You'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is the Hood College Gear Shop has you covered for all your gift, school, snack, and blazer branded clothing needs. So, the next time you're in WIT, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Dorian Young, and the name of this podcast, and that's the t Surreal, and receive 10% off your purchase of any hood-branded merch. But listen to the show first. Hello governor. <laughs> oh here we are. Hi everyone welcome to the and that's the tea Surreal podcast. I'm your host Dorian Rosemary and with me today I have a returning guest Maddie Wilson. Today we'll be exploring the Lord of the Rings and the world of J.R.R. Tolkien so without further ado welcome to the show. For those of you out there who don't know or have never encountered Tolkien or the Lord of the Rings from Goodreads, in ancient times, the rings of power were crafted by the elven smiths, and Sauron the Dark Lord forged the One Ring, filling it with his cruelty, malice, and will to dominate others. But the One Ring was taken from him, and though he sought it throughout Middle-earth, it remained lost to him. After many ages, it fell by chance into the hands of a hobbit, Bilbo Baggins. When Bilbo reaches his 111st birthday, he disappears, bequeathing to his young cousin Frodo the One Ring and a perilous quest to journey across Middle-earth into enemy territory and cast the ring back into the fires of Mount Doom. The Lord of the Rings tells the story of the great quest undertaken by Frodo and the Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf the Wizard, the hobbits Merry Pippin and Sam, Gimli the Dwarf, Legolas the Elf, Boromir of Gondor, and a tall, mysterious stranger called Strider. Ooh. <laughs> tall and mysterious, you say? Mm-hmm. Tall and mysterious. He strides. He does stride. He struts. He struts and strides. That's why they call him Strider. Yeah. <laughs> so Maddie, when did you first read The Lord of the Rings, or like when did you first encounter Tolkien's work? This is kind of funny because the first time I tried to read it was in high school, and I watched the movies, and I was like, meh. Yeah, I know. Are you serious? I'm so serious. I, didn't even know that. I thought they were just okay. I think because I wasn't like fully paying attention, and oh, like yeah, you know, it was whatever. I just like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was kind of going through a reading slump, too. I I think I talked about this in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. I was kind of going through a reading slump, too. But then I reapproached them in college, and I can't even remember why. I just, like, decided one day to try them again. I love that. Um, And I watched the movies and, like, actually, like, sitting down with popcorn and watching them. Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, these are really good. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to read the books. And, yeah, it's been true love ever since. I love it. (laughs) I love that for you. (laughs) For me... I kind of grew up like watching the movies because when I was a young little lass, my dad, instead of, you know, I don't know, Power Rangers or something, <laughs> he just sat me and Greta in front of the TV and put on Lord of the Rings. So I was watching Aragorn cutting off Orchids since I was like three and I always loved the movies. I was obsessed with the movies as a kid and that's definitely contributed to my maladaptive daydreaming. <laughs> And then I read the books in high school. I did not not like them, but I think I definitely should have waited until college to I think, approach them. I think Tolkien's books are something that, like, you have to really, like, be able to give it the time investment that it deserves. I agree. And if you can't give it that time investment, you just, you start to skim, and then you miss, like, the the real value behind some of the more descriptive mm-hmm. pages. Yeah, because I remember I would literally skip the songs like I <gasps> skip all the songs yeah, I know Dorian I know it's okay I I, I literally didn't like Lord of the Rings until like three years ago and here I am obsessed mm-hmm. so I know I I would never have thought I would have thought you were like me it was just one of those things where in high school I was just like oh, okay this is just like a silly fantasy movie and yeah I know I know how dare, you? How dare I <laughs> um but then after like getting to actually know it I I'm like it's my favorite series of mm-hmm. all time I love them yeah I'm definitely gonna reread them I think I'm going to bring them with me, like, over the summer to read because I want to do so much reading over the summer, and it's going to be my summer of, like, rereads, I think. At the beach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the beach. It's going to be my summer of, like, rereads, so I'm going to bring them with me and hopefully take them on again. Because I've read, like, last summer I read, I read a lot. I read uh, Beowulf, no, not Beowulf, what am I talking about? I I love Beowulf, sorry. (laughs) I read Baron and Luthien, I read The Children of Hurin. I started reading, like, the Encyclopedia of Tolkien by David Day, which I think you have, too. and then I have, then, yes. Yeah. I love it. It's and one of those that I haven't read all the way through, but, like, I just open it up to random yeah, pages. Literally, and yeah, literally, yeah. And then I also have, like, Tales of the Perilous Realm, I think, and The Nature of Middle-Earth, which is, like, all the world-building, which is one I really want to get into, especially, like, with my novel and world-building. But, yeah, that's been my experience. But what were your thoughts and feelings towards them the first time you read them, and then have has that changed over the years, or has it kind of stayed, like, consistent? Yeah, so I guess I'll talk from when I read them in college, because when I started the books in high school, I, I really did not get far, just because yeah. my attention span in high school was <laughs> short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, first time I read them, I don't know, it was one of those things where I've always enjoyed fantasy, but I think, like, I really started to form a bigger connection to it in... Like, I loved it as a child. I loved fantasy as a child. And then, like, kind of in my teen years, I was kind of like, whatever, I don't really care. And then when I got to back to college, I was like, oh, I love fantasy again. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like reconnecting with oh, some of the things from my childhood that I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading it just, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It just transported me to a different world, and it felt nice. And, Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's a terrible answer, but I just, like, I just really enjoy the books, and Mm -hmm. I'm writing a thesis on it, and I can't say anything smart about them, but... (laughs) (laughs) I think it's kind of the same, I mean, even though I haven't reread The Lord of the Rings, reading the other works, especially the shorter ones, to be honest, has kind of helped me get back into that world and that writing style, so I think now that I've read the other, some of the other books, I can kind of approach the trilogy in a better way than I first did yeah and like the oh here here we go my brain's finally working the attention to detail Mm -hmm. and like the deep level of lore that there is like that's just something that like yes I've read other fantasy books that have like very extensive history and world building but nothing to the extent of Tolkien like it feels like you're reading like a true story about some completely different world Mm -hmm. just because of how detailed it is and how much history there is behind it like I tried to read the Silmarillion once I'm gonna try again at some point but it's like like there's just so much detail mm. like Tolkien really thought it all through yeah I've never tried reading the Silmarillion but I think I want to give it a shot at some point for sure it feels like you're reading a history book so be ready for that my dad told me it feels like you're reading the bible <laughs> it does actually <laughs> the first chapter it's all about the um um what are they called the Valar mm-hmm. And when you're reading it, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is like, this literally sounds like the Bible, basically, the way that they're describing things. Yeah. So you mentioned your departmental honors paper. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. you're writing about, like, Tolkien and his world, so. This will be good practice for when I present it. Yeah. Um, I am writing about female characters in The Lord of the Rings and their adaptation from book to film. Um, So I chose three. There are more female characters, but I chose three that are the most prevalent in the books and the films. So Arwen, Eowyn, and Galadriel. Those are the three that I cover. And I go into extensive detail, like doing very close reading with the texts in the books and then pulling some outside sources as well to talk about what Tolkien's purpose was behind these characters. Because in some cases, I have found that the characters are pretty fleshed out and in other cases not. Mm -hmm. My argument for Arwen is that she's not a very fleshed-out character in the books, but she does have characteristics to her character and qualities that present strengths in her that may not initially be noticed Mm -hmm. when you're reading it because she's not super involved. But, like, her being, like, a real symbol of hope for a lot of the characters and her choosing to, like, defy the wishes of her father and of Aragorn even, who told her that, like, she should just, you know, go sail away. Like, her really making a decision for herself is clear in the books, even if it's very, very briefly touched on in the appendix, actually, of The Return of the King. So, not even the actual storylines. that's that's another thing I talked about. Um, and then I just talk about how her in the film, they add her in in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that still, like, stay true to this character and the strengths that she has. Mm-hmm. And, like, still adheres to the overall themes that Tolkien wanted to present in the novel. Yeah, because I feel like I've read some of, like, your paper and I feel as if in the book... Really, you don't get that much of her at she's all. She's hardly really. there at all. Yeah, yeah. She's in. I don't even know. Maybe you like, get m- more of her in the appendix than you do in yeah. the actual storyline. That's that's very interesting to me, and I wish that wasn't like the case. Well, but. one great example for her character in the movie is the scene in the book when they are trying to get to Rivendell, to save Frodo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Elrond calls on the waters to wash away the Nazgul and everything. Mm-hmm. Instead, they have Arwen do that. Yeah, I and was I personally, about yeah, I personally feel like that's a really good choice for her character, just because it's her father's power. Why wouldn't she have it? She literally yeah. is like a descendant of him. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, with the comparisons to her to Luthien in the novel occurring a lot, like you can tell she's a character with a lot of power. She's also Galadriel's granddaughter, which mm-hmm. I can talk about Galadriel too if you want. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've talked a lot about uh, Arwen. But Awen is another one that I talk about her transition mm-hmm. from book to movie I actually feel like the movie took away a lot Mm -hmm. of her character and I think that literally was just simply due to time constraints there's only so much they can include in these movies definitely um but there's a lot of debate about her ending because she like you know defeats the the lord of the Nazgul and then she goes to the houses of healings and she meets um oh my gosh, why is his name blank? Thank you, Faramir. And um, there's like a whole chapter dedicated to basically her healing process and her deciding that she no longer wants to pursue war and instead wants to pursue a path of healing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, that's like a very sexist ending for her. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand that argument, but I also feel that the themes that Tolkien was trying to present in the novel is that he didn't want war he wanted like like the ideal life was one of peace was Mm -hmm. one of healing was one of you know not having to fight Mm -hmm. and I think he tried to give that to all of his characters in the end and I feel like she needed that yeah like because one of my arguments is that every time that she talks about wanting to go to war it's so she can prove herself to everyone yeah and I think at the end of the at the end of her her storyline at the end of her arc she realizes that she doesn't need to prove herself to Mm -hmm. anyone because it's only hurting her more than it's healing her yeah, because I always felt that the movie ending, I was like, oh my god, like you said, that's so sexist, blah blah blah. But like, she just fell in love with Fairmere. Yeah, blah, it was blah, blah, it was blah, very like abrupt. But in the books, obviously, you have more time to flesh things out. Yeah. So like it makes in the book, like in the movies, Fairmere just kind of looks at her, and then the and next then scene like, they're oh, in love. Oh. But <laughs> but like in the in the in the novel, you get to see in the chapter. I think it's the Houses of Healing. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's no, chapter. No, I'm pretty in. sure you're right. You actually like get to see him extend a hand of friendship to her, and not just be like like oh you're a woman don't go to war like, like he like instead like he like explains to her that like I know how you're feeling like I'm in the same place and I'm also trying to heal yeah I wish we could have seen them because he very much so was in the same place yeah. like with Denethor and trying to live up to Boromir mm-hmm. and I wish we could have seen that in the film of of them bonding over that because i think that even just something like that would have made a lot more sense like they i think i think the the books do a good job of showing that they're kind of like on an equal playing field mm-hmm. as far as their healing journey which which makes like him a good a good match for her mm-hmm. in a way that's more uplifting than it is demeaning mm-hmm. and then gladriel who kind of doesn't really change much from the books to films like she's not really. she's kind of the same yeah mm-hmm. um which has been rough to write my paper because I'm basically like, yeah, she does the same thing and, yeah, not, not much changes. but She's the best she, of both worlds. But I love Galadriel because she is a character who is at the end of her arc. Yes. And people are like, Galadriel doesn't really have much of an arc in the books. Like, she's kind of just there. I'm like, no, she's at the end of her arc because Galadriel was there through the Silmarillion. She's been alive for thousands and thousands of years. She's had her times to, like, go through her arcs and go through her journeys and figure things out. The final thing that she needs to do in order to be able to go into the West is to be able to overcome the temptations of the ring. And you get to see that occur Mm -hmm. when she meets with Frodo and Sam in Lothlorien. Basically, my argument for Gladriel is that she is an insanely powerful character, but she's also at the end of her journey. It's finally time for her to heal and go into the West like all the other elves Mm -hmm, are. mm -hmm. So she overcomes this moment when, you know, Frodo's offering her the ring and telling her, like, you can take it, like you can take it to Mordor. You're much more powerful than me. She overcomes that temptation and then finally is able to rest. And then and then she provides guidance to the rest of the fellowship yes. as well. She doesn't just leave them in the dust. Like she gives them the things that they need and sends them the messages that they need in order for them to be able to go through their own growth and their own journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like she plays like almost like a, a character of wisdom, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, yeah. And I feel like... Her sending those messages and kind of helping them and guiding them through the whole entire journey is a little bit overlooked in the films, which is why people might be confused about why she doesn't really seem to do much. But I know that, like for example, when Gandalf comes back in the novels, he goes to Lothlorien first and he heals there. And Galadriel gives him information to send to the to the Fellowship, Mm. and she also sends him in the right direction to be able to meet again with the Fellowship. Mm. That doesn't happen in the movies. He just kind of returns. Yeah, so I feel like that is definitely overlooked as well. Another thing is when he heals Theoden, when he's under the powers of Wormtongue and everything. Oh, yeah, I love that scene. It's super cool in the movies, but in the books, he, like, recites this, like, basically almost like a incantation or poem mm. or whatever, and it's all about Galadriel's power. Ooh. So, like, I interpreted that as a reader as him calling upon Galadriel's strength and Gal- Galadriel's powers to overcome Sauron because... Yeah, um, like channeling her yeah. energy. So one thing when either before or after she overcomes the temptation, the one ring, she tells Frodo, she's like, Sauron is always prying into my mind and he can't get in. But then she makes another comment, like in that same paragraph where she's like, but I can see into his mind. <gasps> not She said, not all the way, but I can see into his mind. So I'm like, Galadriel... Her power is so strong Mm -hmm. that the lord of all evil can't see into her mind, but she can see into his. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that that was super interesting and was kind of an overlooked comment because, like, clearly she has a level of power beyond anything that anyone knows. Mm -hmm. Enough that Sauron is annoyed and, like, is trying to pry into her mind. Yeah. And I just think that's cool. What a badass. So what's your favorite aspect of Middle-earth, and what's your least favorite? Ooh aspect and like what like just just anything I'm a nature girl at heart Mm -hmm. I spend all of my time outside Mm -hmm. so I really really love the settings like the Shire Rivendell Mirkwood Lothlorien Rohan all of it (laughs) I just really love the scenery described in both the books and you know displayed in the films. I don't know that just that I think that's what tugs at my heartstrings the most is just you know the settings I think are gorgeous and I think they really reflect each area the Mm -hmm. way that they should like the Shire has like a very homey yes cozy feel Rivendell kind of has the same but like on a more like upscale mysterious elven level Mm -hmm. elvish level I just like that each setting really matches the energy that the people and like the different societies like yeah Mm -hmm. um Displays. So I think that's really cool. Oh, I was going to say, my least favorite, I wish there were more women. And this is coming from a very deep lover of Tolkien and someone who thinks that he did write some very good female characters. There should be more. I agree. 100%. You should be in it. Me? You should write <laughs> Madeline Wilson. Go back in time. Be like, yo, I think a character named Maddie would be really cool in this book. Winky <laughs> <you> face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think after doing a lot of work with other texts besides the Lord of the Rings, I really like the lore, and I've really taken a lot of what he did with Middle-earth and applied it to my own writing. And I just love how he was able to create this system and this timeline of, like, the Valar. Yeah. So you have the Valar, and then they basically, like, created Middle-earth. Mm-hmm. And then you have the elves who are descended from the Valar, and, like, they have their own little special powers. It's just interesting to read about what everything's influenced by. Oh, you would love the Silmarillion Or then. based off of... I know, I, I feel like I would actually like read it's, it. it. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, mm-hmm. like, I think my problem is, is I went into it hoping that I could just, like, remember everything through, and memorize yeah. everything, and I realized I just need to read it and what I, what I absorb I do and what I don't absorb, that's okay. Yeah. But one thing that's, like, super interesting is, like, the start of... Basically, the creation of Middle-earth is, like, they call it, like, a song. Like, there was, like, just, like, a song. song. Yes. And I just, I see that applied in his work, like, everywhere. Everywhere. There's poetry. There's songs. There's, Mm -hmm. like, little, like, rhymes. And, you know, I just, I think that's so interesting. And I feel like that's something that he must have been very passionate about. Well, I think, first and foremost, like, Tolkien was a poet. Because he did a lot of work with, like, Beowulf and a lot of other poetry and poets before he wrote The Lord of the Rings. And, for example, Darren and Luthien, that was a poem. Like, the whole story was a poem first, and then he adapted it to, like, a story, I guess, but he never finished. There's, like, three endings. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. There's, like, three endings to that. Oh, my god. It's kind of crazy. But it was a poem first. Yeah. So it's just really interesting. Like, this really was his life's work. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it really was, which is, yeah. But I think just... Being able to combine so many aspects of life and different cultures and different mythology and beliefs and all of that into a whole new world that seems completely its own is really very interesting. Probably my favorite aspect. Least favorite aspect? Hmm. I mean, I'm going to go with the same as you because I appreciate what he did as a fantasy writer in the nineteen hundreds and being kind of the first of that genre to really push it forward because it was like him and then you have C. S. Lewis and then you have the author of like the Witcher series. And I think like he did a lot of progressive stuff, but I think one thing that was very lacking in that progression was his female characters, definitely. And just representation in general. Yeah, I feel like that was yeah because mm-hmm. he does write about these other races within the races but we never really see them if that makes sense like he talks about I don't know what they're specifically called but he's like oh there's like people of the desert I think he talks about there's like some island people of something I I think all of this is in the encyclopedia but there's there were people who were based off of like Asian cultures or something I believe so and I I regret that he wasn't able to explore that more What do you wish you could see more of in Middle Earth, besides women? (laughs) Besides women. Besides women. Um, hmm. I guess part of this comes along with me not having not read a lot of the Silmarillion or his other pieces. But I want to see more elves. Mm -hmm. I just I think the elves are really cool. I think they have a really cool history, and I'd like to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. And that's probably my fault for not reading more. I agree with that. I want to see more of like the elven wars. Oh, you know, I want to learn more about there was apparently one war, and I saw this on TikTok, so maybe I'm like <laughs> completely wrong. But apparently, there was one war where there's like a dragon that was like the size of a mountain. Yes, I think I, I want to read about yeah. that. Yeah, and I want to read and learn more about like Gilgalad and how he fought with I'm pretty sure he fought with the humans against Sauron in that first instance of him trying to take over the world oh yeah when he like died you know we might get that in the amazon show so right yeah and i want to learn more about like the alliances i want the tension of elves versus humans like how they came together like betrayal i don't know i just want that i want to see more of the elves at war and then i want to see how the connections and alliances were built because there's no way that yeah. all these races got along in the beginning. There's no way. I <laughs> think you would love the Amazon show then. I know. I, know. I need to finish it. I promise. Listen, I, will. I know implement. it is not 100% accurate to the lore of the Lord of the Rings. I do not care. <laughs> it's interesting to watch. It gives me the same, like, cozy, magical vibes that the Lord of the Rings does. And I think, it, I think they're doing a great job. I'm really enjoying the show. I think if you go into it knowing that it's not going to be, like the, st- like, the the plot and the storyline is not going to be 100% accurate to what was written, that's okay. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, I think I need to start it over and just go into it with a completely blank slate. Because they're doing a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think I need to just watch it as its own piece of media and, like you said, not trying to think about it as a continuation of or a prequel to the Lord of the Rings and just kind of approach it in a way where I'm like, okay, I'm watching a new show. I think that's the problem you is know? everybody was like, okay, we're getting another Peter Jackson film. No, we're not. No, no, we're not. Respectfully, like nobody can do films the way Peter Jackson does films. So the way he did with the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think appro- people who approached it in that regard were probably not in the right mindset to go into watching it but I think but I think I think visually it's gorgeous mm. the cast is fantastic they're doing such a good job and I think the storyline it's interesting um I love the friendship between Elrond and oh no what is his name yes yeah their their friendship is beautiful I think it is so well done Spoilers ahead. Um, I think the conflicts that are rising with Galadriel and (laughs) Halbrand, who is Sauron, I think that is really interesting. I think, here's my thing, when I first watched it, I was like, huh, okay. This was having not read The Silmarillion, which I still haven't, and not read a lot of the history of Galadriel's character. But after reading, for my thesis, the scene, like going into depth, analyzing the scene where Galadriel talks about how she... And Sauron seem to be connected by the mind somehow. I think it's a really, really cool take on how that happened, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying it. I did. I will say, I did not see that coming with Me Neither. Like, huh? You know what's so funny what? is when I was watching it, I saw theories that people were like, "How brand is Sauron?" and I was like. No, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is the dumbest theory I've ever heard. He is not Sauron. Yeah. And then he was. And yeah. I was like, like oh shit. my God. <laughs> I knew something was up with him. I just didn't know what. <laughs> I knew something was up, but it was not what I thought at all. But I thought he was going to be the Aragorn type where it's like, oh, I can't rule. And then he ends up ruling. Yeah. Well, he does in a way. <laughs> I, gu- I guess you're correct. Um, but yeah, no. I am a full supporter of the Amazon show. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. We're moving on to segments. Oh, okay. So, first segment is, did you know? Did you know that after writing The Hobbit, Tolkien originally pitched The Silmarillion and not The Lord of the Rings to his publisher? Did he really? Yeah, but shocker, it was rejected. (laughs) (laughs) But it was actually rejected because they wanted a story... That was centered around hobbits. Yeah, because the hobbit did so well. Are like no hobbits in the Silmarillion, basically. Yeah. So that's when he ended up writing. The I thought Lord they the were Marines. gonna be like, dude, this is a textbook, not a story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean probably in a good it's it's a good textbook yeah. though, if you're if you're super into the Lord of the Rings, you wanna okay. know all the history. Did you also know that the Lord of the Rings wasn't supposed to be a trilogy? Yes. I did know that. And I think it's pretty obvious when you're reading it like as the three separate books anyways just because the way that it ends off just seems kind of random mm-hmm. I feel like when novels are originally intended to be a trilogy there's a very solid ending for each yes, one definitely like things wrap up there might be a cliffhanger for the next one mm-hmm. but like whatever arc was going on in that one book it's, it's like, completed, completed. Mm-hmm. Tolkien's no it just it just goes straight through yeah <laughs> which is not a bad thing it's fun well so it was written as a single book but the size of it it was a th- like a thousand pages they they still sell it as a single book sometimes know, in saw, some places too i remember one kid would read in my middle school class there was one kid who would carry around oh my gosh me too book, and i was like why is it one book it's supposed to be three but basically the size of it And the fact that there was a paper shortage in the UK during World War II, it made the publishers have to break it up into three parts, which eventually became The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. And then lastly, (laughs) did you know that Tolkien started a sequel to The Lord of the Rings, but he never finished it? No! I know. Oh my gosh, that would have been really cool. What was it going to be about? It was given a tentative title that was called The New Shadow, And it was supposed to take place 100 years after Aragorn's (gasps) death, and it would have involved a cult that worshipped Sauron. You know what? Hearing that, I'm kind of glad it didn't work out. (gasps) What? I want it. I want it right now. A cult? That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, but there's something really wonderful about the ring being destroyed and just peace being brought to Middle-earth for forever. You're right. You're right. And I know that's lame, because realistically, peace can never be brought to anywhere for forever. Mm Mm-hmm with what Middle-earth means to me and, like, what the stories feel to me, I like that there's just a very traditional and then there was peace at the end. Yeah, that's true. It does feel very, like, warranted. I think I would have just liked to see how Aragorn's son and Aragorn and Arwen's son, oh, like, developed as right. an adult. Yeah, Because Arwen fades away after yeah, Aragorn dies. And and he since he is a descendant of Numenor, he probably would have been, like, Aragorn was. He, he would be about Aragorn, like eighty, age, yeah. eighty-five, but he would still kind of look like. He's and like his mother would be an elf, so. Mm-hmm. Ooh! Oh my god! And yeah. he would have the option to become an elf or stay human. That's. Whoa! True. Whoa. Now Whoa. I want answers. Yeah. Okay. I'll write them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Next segment is if you could. Okay. So if you could live in Middle Earth, where would you live? Rivendell. I love it. 100%. Mm-hmm. It seems like the most cozy place. I would sit by a waterfall and read books all day mm-hmm. and eat Lembus bread. <laughs> it just seems like a very safe, happy place. So yes. that's why I like Rivendell. Mm-hmm. I think I would pick Mirkwood. I mean, Legolas' dad is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Legolas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I. No, I, I not. <laughs> I mean, not <laughs> I would pick Mirkwood because I like the forest and I want to be an elf, but I want to be a Mirkwood elf and I'll come visit you in Rivendell. I would choose Mirkwood if it wasn't for those huge spiders. No, yeah, I was like, "Let me go after." Listen, those, I saw a spider like this big the other are... day. Like 2 inches. Oh my god. Maybe a little bigger than 2 inches, mm. but um I screamed. I would die. It was rough. I was scared it was going to jump. I don't even think it was a jumping spider. Was it in your house? It's in bedroom. Ew. Yeah, it was awful. Okay. Sorry. No, that's you're my good. that's my upsetting story for today. I'll live in Merkwood after there's been an exterminator. Oh thank smart. you very much. <laughs> if you could live in Middle earth, what race would you be?
1: Elf. We already established
0: this, but it's fine. Elf <laughs> <Duh>. for sure. <laughs> for sure. Like literally I don't even know if elves shower. They're just perfect all the time. Yeah. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Okay. If you could be a part of the fellowship, what role would you play, and what would be your weapon of choice? Ooh, okay. I would choose a sword, just because I think swords are fun. Mm -hmm. And what do you mean by role? Like, like... I don't know, like... Aragorn's a ranger and Boromir is like the son of Denethor. Yeah, like, you know what? Okay, I think I would want to be the role of like the person in the group who like when things are like really rough and everybody's really tired, you know? Mm-hmm. I keep things positive yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like like when they're like trekking up that mountain in the snow. Oh god. I want to be the one that's like, "It's okay, guys, we can do this." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yeah, we can." Like I would be that person. Yeah. I, I would not. I'd be like, "Oh, oh my god, get me out of here." <laughs> it's a thought. <topic>. Yeah. <laughs> I think my weapon of choice hmm i would want like twin blades like ooh, ooh, like riding on like a horse like like oh what did uh thranduil do in that one scene where he's like battling people with his two swords and yeah Mm -hmm. on his elk and then what role would i play um i don't know i was gonna say healer but like aragorn already basically is I would be the therapist. <laughs> You'd be the therapist, and I'd be the positive light. Yes, there we go. Perfect. We'd be the reasons that nobody in that fellowship loses their mind. Yeah, yeah, literally. If you could ask Tolkien one thing about Middle-earth, what would it be? What does Aragorn's son choose? <laughs> I was literally going to say that. Um, what or does he son? even get to choose because Arwen chose the life of a mortal? Oh, my God, you're right. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah, I would ask that, too. Because, I don't know. Wouldn't she technically still have elven blood? But also, if she does choose the life of a mortal, would he be born a mortal? I don't know. Yeah, I would ask him that, too, for sure. I would ask him that. I mean, we could ask the the Lord of the Rings guy on TikTok. Don. Yeah, yeah, we should. We should. I'll be like, hey, question. Okay, I'm going to go with that. So, if you... Could read a book or series about a single aspect of Middle Earth, what would it be? Ooh. And why? Ooh. So, because Galadriel is so heavily mixed into so much of the lore of the Lord of the Rings, I want a book that just details everything about Galadriel. Like her POV? Like, yeah, I could do her POV, but also just a book that's like, okay. This is Galadriel's entire timeline in detail. Mm-hmm. Extensive detail. Because mm-hmm. I think she's awesome. I think I would do that, but with Legolas, because I want to know who his mom is, what happened to her. Oh, that was so tragic. Her, like, his childhood, growing up in Mirkwood and like with his dad, and then I also want to read about him and Gimli going into the Undying Lands and after that. Oh, that's a book I would love. A book about what's going on in the Undying Lands. Because I know it's just all, like, happy, chill. But I just want to know, like, Mm -hmm. are they all sitting over there, like, drinking tea? Or what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, if you could have dinner with one of the characters, who would it be? Elrond. Mm, Okay. I just, I want to pick his brain. Mm -hmm. Like, he's seen a lot. Like, he's been through a lot. Mm -hmm. I just want to know everything. Plus, I feel like he'd be nice to me. Some of the characters I feel like would not be nice to me. Yeah, they'd be like, "Who is this girl? Why is she doing this?" But Elrond, I feel like he'd be like, "Okay, let me let me let me chat with you. Let Mm -hmm. me ask you your questions." Plus, I feel like he'd have sage wisdom about my life too, even though he's not from Earth. I'd be like, "Hey, I need your yeah." I'd be like, "I need your advice on this," and he'd be like, "I got you." He wouldn't say that, but (laughs) but (laughs) he'd be like, "Yeah, of course." Eloquently, eloquently, yeah. Which I am not. He'd be like, "Madeline of the Earth." Madeline (laughs) of the non-middle earth yeah the non-middle earth i would pick you know what i'm gonna say two people because i want to Marion and pippin mary and <laughs> pippin yeah be funny <laughs> what were you gonna say i was thinking also gandalf i was gonna say gandalf but for I was similar like, reasons to, similar reasons to elrond um yeah i just feel like i get annoyed because i'd be like sir really get to the point do you feel that with Gandalf? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Like that one line that Aragorn has in the Twin Towers film when he's like, "Oh, you don't change, old friend. You still speak in riddles and all that jazz." I feel like Gandalf would be the type of person you would ask him for advice, but then he would just get all philosophical and shit, and then you yeah, wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, that's true. I feel like say. Elrond would be very straightforward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Gandalf when he visits the Shire would be the ultimate yeah. like mm-hmm. Talking, you know, just sitting outside Bilbo's house and Mm -hmm. just chatting on a rocking chair. All right, the next segment is: Would you rather slash Who'd you rather? Oh, oh. So, <laughs> would you rather have to face a horde of orcs or Shelob by yourself? A horde of orcs. I know, me too. If I ever saw that spider, I think my heart would give out instantly yeah. and I would die. I can't even watch the scene in the film. Me neither. I, I can't. can't. I just, I have my eyes covered the whole time. I hate spiders so much. I would rather take on 300 orcs than a spider. With a frying pan? Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, would you rather be buried in Meduseld among the kings of Rohan or sail into the Undying Lands? Sail to the Undying Lands. Mm-hmm. Same. No offense to the kings of Rohan. You guys are cool. I love Rohan. You're, y'all are fun. I, I did a lot of research on you for my for my um project. But, no, I just want to go chill in the Undying Lands with everyone. Agreed. Yeah. Would you rather fight at Helm's Deep or the Battle of the Pelennor Fields? Ooh. That's a hard one, Mm -hmm. because Helm's Deep was a really, like, intense battle. Mm -hmm. But I think I'd have to go Pelennor Fields, Mm -hmm. because Helm's Deep, when they won, they were like, okay, we won, but there's more to come. True, true. Pelennor Fields, I mean, other than when they, you know, charge at the gate. At the end of the Battle of Pelennor Fields, they're kind of like, okay, like, we're at the finish line. Mm -hmm. We're we're on the home stretch. Yeah. I am going to say Helm's Deep only because... That is literally my favorite battle. It's so cool. It's so good. And I just, I want to be there. Just fighting. fighting I would save, wars. I would save, what's his name? Haldir. Haldir, I'd ah, save him. Oh: poor thing. But Pelennor Fields, I just feel like there's so much going on. I would get so distracted and then I would die. It's like, oh, they're, they're, the Nazgul are flying. Oh, God, like, there's the elephants. Oh, no, there's the orcs. Oh, wait, there's the ghosties. Like, I would get so confused. It it would be a lot. And then I'd be probably fighting the wrong people. I feel like the ghost would mistake me. Yeah, literally. They'd be like, oops, <laughs> <Slight>. she's done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who would you rather fight alongside, the Riders of Rohan or the Elves of Lorien? Oh, you can't do that to me. <laughs> I just did. Because the Elves of Lorien are so cool. But I always think to that amazing speech given right before they went into oh, battle yeah. at the Battle of Pelennor Fields. So I think I'd have to go with the Riders of Rohan. Riders of Rohan? Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, the Elves. Just because of Helm's Deep again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, it's all about the favorite battle. They've got cool <laughs> outfits, too, you know? That is true. Yeah, yeah, they've got those cool cloaks. I'd have to disguise myself as a man, just like Eowyn did. Mm-hmm. Who'd you rather spend the game in Rivendell with, Arwen or Galadriel? Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. I think I'd, okay, I think I would go Arwen mm-hmm. because Galadriel is a badass. She is an all powerful being. Not all powerful, but she's pretty high up there. Mm-hmm. But I'd also be kind of scared of her because I feel like she's really intense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like she's very kind. Mm hmm. And she's very generous, and I talk about that a lot in my paper. But she's also extremely intense, and I think that would freak me out. Mm-hmm. And Arwen just seems, like, a little less intimidating because, yes. she, you know, she doesn't have, like, powers that could take on S- Sauron if she mm-hmm. wanted to. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would say Arwen, too, just because I feel like we would have more to relate to. And, yeah, Galadriel is a little bit intense. Who'd you rather be stuck in a room with? Oh. ooh. ooh. Not in that way. I feel like oh in a bad way. <laughs> oh, in a bad way. Oh no. Boromir or Gollum? Boromir. I know. Boromir. Gollum just everybody, I would kill him. <laughs> everybody gives Boromir such a hard time and that makes me sad because I think Boromir is a very interesting character and I think he really wanted what was right just went about it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I feel like Boromir is the, like, the pimbo. Yeah, and I just, I think the way that he was portrayed in both the books and the films, like, shows that he's a flawed character, but that makes him more realistic. Mm -hmm. And I think he's very interesting, and I think it was sad when he died. I agree. And I cry every time. Because I I really, I think he had the absolute greatest of intentions, but the temptation of the ring was too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Oh, cool. So... If you're a fan of J.R.R. Tolkien or if these books interest you, consider checking out Realmbreaker by Victoria Aveyard. It was marketed as the Lord of the Rings meets Guardians of the Galaxy. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like one hell of a ride for a fantasy book. Heck yeah. <laughs> so thanks everyone for listening to And That's the Tea Surreal podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dorian Rosemary. And I'm Maddie Wilson. Tune in next week for your next pot of tea and all the bookish goodness.